Welcome to the Scooter and Threads Podcast. This is your podcast host, buddy. And joining us today is Leland, and we have a guest appearance filling in for the crippled Jared, Micah, Micah, or Leland, introduce yourselves. Hello, my name is Leland. Woo. Name, uh, let's see, name what you're drinking right now. Um, Leland Air, because I'm not drinking anything right now. Boo. (laughs) Drunk Leland is not here. (laughs) Um, I'm drinking nothing also. I had water earlier and uh, happy to be here. I've got thing tea. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're happy to have you here, Micah. Um, Yeah, this will definitely be a uh, roasting of Jared. And that's how we're going to start. So Jared texted me. He texted Leland and I at about 1.30 and said, I'm not going to be able to make the podcast because I tweaked my back and now I need to go see a chiropractor. So what we're going to do for the beginning of this podcast is give an explanation as to what tweaked his back. So let's start with with a guest, Micah. Um, How do you think Jared tweaked his back? All right. So um, everyone's well aware there hasn't been baseball. So my prediction is he decided to take up golf like I've started doing. And uh, I think he was trying to drive the ball too far. And that's how he tweaked his back. Uh, The old Charles Barkley. Yep. All right. I'm going to go with the old broke back Jared. And he went up to the mountains with his best friend. And he just was like, he had unknown feelings. He wasn't sure of. And the broke back Hold on. Greg's in town? <laughs> Greg's in town? Greg might be in town, yes. <laughs> they might have assless chaps. The end. Brokeback. Brokeback. Oh, wow. wow. That's, you know, Leland, you keep bringing up homo stuff in, in the episodes. I mean, last episode, it was a thing for Christian Yelich, and then you made one other comment. Attractive guy. And now I'm you're talking about... Mail in the Ah, uh, it's the it's a Californication. <laughs> I am a straight male. I just yeah, I'm a baseball player. We slap each other's asses and say homo things. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> all right. Okay, but let me uh, let me say something else. Um, so I'm at Micah's house. This was a last minute thing. He called me or texted me at like eleven today. To come over to his house and i, I was like at first like I, I need to do this podcast with uh, jared and buddy and then jared texted and he said he couldn't show up and i was like okay let's just do it with micah but what i didn't tell buddy is that i have another special guest with us and his name is alex hello alex i'm in california for three and a half days Yes, and now you're on the podcast. Oh, this yeah. is amazing. I wish I had known beforehand. I thought I heard another voice I recognized. Michael was the surprise, but no, <laughs> Alex was actually the surprise. It's okay. I'll have yes. I haven't paid attention to anything in the last three months. It's 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 going to be underwhelming, I promise. Oh, no. All and right. Alex well, drinking something. Yes. It'll be the first time Alex is underwhelming in this league, so you guys are witnessing history <laughs> right now. 
But uh, yeah, so my suspicion for Jared. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we get to me, we now have another guest. So, Alex, what's your suspicion as to how Jared threw out his back? Oh, I was about to say gay sex. So, (laughs) (laughs) that's two for Jared and Greg. Our best friends, but we're straight. He's married. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, My suspicion is the other day, uh, Stephanie, his wife, posted on Facebook that she was going to go shopping at Old Navy and blow through the wallet. And upon challenging Stephanie, she beat Jared to a pulp, and that's how his back was "quote unquote" thrown out. So also, that's my deals. So, like, what degree of shopping is Stephanie really doing here? That'd be <laughs> impressive, you know. This is true. This is true. She did say, "Like, pray for my wallet." So it must have been pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But uh, let's go ahead and jump in to. So I'm assuming has Alex all. Caught up with the outline. Yeah, he is also kind of seeing it, but he doesn't care. Okay. So <laughs> Alex can kind of just do it on a whim. Uh, I'll go ahead and kick off the bold predictions. And just a reminder for bold predictions, it is a scenario with, that has a less than 10% likelihood of happening, but there is at least a plausible scenario of that, of said occurrence taking place. And my thing, it's probably not going to happen, but, you know, stranger things have happened before. I think Christian Yelich has an outside of the top 100 season, and here's why. It's not for performance. It's for injuries. And he ended last season hurt, obviously didn't play in that wild card game, which probably would have turned, I think, the whole playoff scenario around. And the Nationals wouldn't have advanced, and the Brewers, who knows how far they would have gone. But I think Yelich will not recover, and I think he has an outside of the top 100 season, meaning that Leland doesn't trade him this year, unless, of course, he trades him at a discount, which I would he should be spanked for doing. But that's my prediction. Yeah, I, I, I actually thought about it, and that's totally possible. I, also, I have a feeling that might happen, so I won't be surprised if it does. Um, so my bold prediction is... Uh, my corner outfielder, his name is Hunter Renfro. He's he hits a lot of home runs, but that batting average is. Um, but he got traded to the Rays, and the Rays somehow fixed Tommy Pham for a bit there. So I think Hunter Renfro will be fixed just like Tommy Pham did when he played for the Rays. That, that would be awesome. a LASIK eye surgery. That's the voodoo magic the Rays used on. The Rays, Tommy figure Pham. it out. But uh, oh, yeah. anyway, so Micah, what what what's your bold prediction for Leland's team? So I feel like um, a decently bold prediction would be if we re- if we remember last year, Leland and David made a trade, Aaron Judge for Luis Robert, Matthew Boyd, and I think something else. It's Luis Robert. I thought it's pre- Robert. I thought he preferred <laughs> Robert. Nobody knows. No, it's it's like Robert, <laughs> but with an accent. <laughs> But Robert is fancy. You knew, you know the man I'm talking about. <laughs> so right, the trade, right? So my prediction is that Luis Robert or Robert is going to have a better season than Aaron Judge because Aaron Judge might not be able to stay healthy. Mm, I could see that. I could see yeah. that. Alex, what about you? Well, 
I've been put a bit on the spot here, and I'm looking at Leland's team for the first time in three months. But oh my gosh. <laughs> Leland pointed at his computer to uh, – he actually pointed to the guy I was going to talk about. I think Aristides Aquino hits 45 home <laughs> runs this year. In a shortened season? Oh, the equivalent of 45 home runs prorated across however so many games are played. It's pretty bold. <laughs> so it's going to be June – so right, so right now. now we're looking at sixty-seven percent of forty-five home runs, basically. If if the season started today, yes. Okay. But whatever okay. that prorated amount is, I think he'll hit it. <laughs> Thirty-one. Well, if it started now, but when did he get hot last year? The moment he came up. Yeah, but what, what month was that? August. All know. right, there you go. August will be. He'll hit twenty in August, and then he'll just fall apart afterwards. <laughs> yes. you know, <laughs> the other thing I was considering saying is that Aquino doesn't even hit the majors a season. Yeah. But yeah. the reason why I said no to that one for my own bull prediction is I think there's a greater than 10% likelihood of that happening. <laughs> well, if NL has a DH for whatever season we get this year, like the Reds are going to find a way to get him in the lineup. Is that in yeah. play for the 2020 season or is that 2021? I thought that the last I read, but again, I haven't been reading much because there's not much to read. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, would, I could see that if they if they have a DH. If it's a DH, he's getting every day at bats. If not, yeah, I agree. He's uh, he might not do much of anything. Right. Yeah. Though you know what, he he probably will be on the roster because I think they have they have a taxi squad. Uh, traveling with the team, I think. So he may be a part of that taxi squad or just a bench bat. Because there isn't any minor league ball going. There might be um, some like quad A ball um, occurring in like the Arizona backfields, if I remember reading correctly. But yeah, there's going to be a ton of guys not getting time. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think he could go either way. Yep, yep. He gets both ass cheeks into it, buddy. I like that. Hey, hey. PG. That that's a guy who swings like he should be throwing out his back. But anyway, uh, so let's go ahead and move on to our next team analysis, which is our Hispanic Morpheus Roland. <laughs> I never heard that before. Yeah, so he posted this picture with a filter. And he was wearing shades, and the filter made him look, like, darker than he is. And it, like, really accentuated his dark hair. And so even though Morpheus is bald, it, to me, it looked he looked like Morpheus. So he's Hispanic Morpheus. I have a question. Is he giving out pills to people? Giving them a choice? If only. Um, <laughs> you know what? Every year, his team either makes playoffs or, like, bombs out. There really isn't a whole lot of middle ground for that team. And so I would say, yeah, every year he offers himself oh, okay. a red or blue pill. And I think he just kind of blindly swallows one and it kind of goes whichever way. There is no middle ground for him. He either makes playoffs or he's like at the bottom. All Which, right. speaking of bottom, this last season he finished 10th. So he inherited Nick, uh, a team from Nick who had for years been smoking pot and managing his team as if he was constantly high and was trading away valuable assets, was going after older players who were past their prime. 
And uh, that's the team Roland inherited. And it's been pretty apparent to everyone that Roland's strategy is to ride that wave of youth. And so uh, I just wanted to discuss if you think this is going to pan out for him in the long run. Like, do you think this strategy of getting a bunch of teenagers, 14, 15, 16-year-olds, it's a slight exaggeration. But is this a viable roster construction uh, foundation? First of all, I don't want some guy in my league giving out pills and signing up 14-year-olds. So. Especially when he is a teacher. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we should keep this guy in our league. I'm <laughs> Um, but for real, um, I'm in a similar boat where I'm just signing a bunch of signed people or signed people, young people. I haven't drank, drank anything yet. Um, so I feel like it's good for him. Uh, I also, I'm more praying that it's going to be good for him because I, again, I'm doing the same thing. Um, I think he just needs to be a little bit more active in our league more because I don't really see him. Yeah, I'll look, I'll go to his farm. All right, uh, Micah, go ahead and I'm going to change something. Yeah, you know, I feel like um, Roland, wa- Roland inherited a pretty terrible team, and I feel like he's made his team a lot better. Um, I feel like he's he's done a pretty decent job of picking up players in the middle of the season. I- I'd say he's pretty active in that area. Also, I feel like he's made really good trades. Uh, I traded – I, ch- I gave him Bo Bichette, Royce Lewis, and a first-round prospect pick for Trevor Bauer – and a, I believe a third round pick. And right now I wish I would be able to undo that um, because I feel like Bo Bichette is going to be really good. And then, you know, Royce could also be really good as well. Um, but, you know, I feel like, like I agree with what you were saying, buddy, about how, you know, either he's going to make playoffs or <laughs> crash and burn. Um, I guess, I guess, you know, youth is a little more volatile. So, you know, he he might make it and he might not. That's that's my two cents. Maybe I need to be more active because I didn't see him be active when I'm active. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alex, uh, what are your thoughts about his organization as a whole? So I kind of hate his major league offense right now. It's pretty, pretty awful. Yeah. Pretty terrible. But <clears throat> he doesn't have a ton of prospects, but I like kind of his top five quite a bit. Um, I'm going to stop you because we have a structure, but and we're probably going to get into his farm system. Oh, but in general, he likes I his farm system. I see. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I like the players on his farm system generally. And uh, I think if you look back at the, the last like five years of history in terms of the, you know, the top international guy for each year's signing class, the track record's really, really good. So the fact that he kind of went that route with his recent, his recent uh, prospect draft, I think is a nice high upside play that I think is, is probably you know, more likely to pay off than not. Yeah. Yeah. And among the, cause he did it, I wouldn't say rebuild. I think he went through a, it, it was like a, a, a restart. I think he last season, his main focus, based off of the major league roster, which currently owns uh, 10, oh man, that's a lot of pitchers. Uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
9, 10, 11, 12, 12 starting pitchers, including one that's hurt right now. And most of them are fairly young. I think the only exception to that is Jake Odorizzi and maybe Zach Davies. But everyone else is probably at least 27 or younger. Uh, Sean Manaya, Shane Bieber, Tyler Glass now, Eduardo Rodriguez, Freed, Max Freed, Herman Marquez. He's got a lot of uh, Domingo Herman. He's got a lot of solid young arms up in the majors already. So as far as having the foundation ready for pitching and riding that wave of youth, I think he's closer on the pitching side. But like Alex mentioned, I think the hitting's kind of far off. Uh, you know, you've got Lindor and Ramirez um, and Bichette, but then af- outside of that, it's a lot of question marks. You basically need Kingery and Robles to hit like their 95th percentile outcome to make that competitive. Right. That's a tough bet. Yeah. Right. And he does have some promising prospects in the farm, like Joey Bart and Royce Lewis, but overall, there's there's still some stuff that needs to be done, I think, in terms of this restart. But I think he's closer than the other two teams we've talked about to this point, Greg and and, and uh, Leland. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, what does everybody pursue in this league? Uh, to quote Alex from the uh, the auction we had over the off season, you all are a bunch of pitching whores. Or whores for pitching or whatever he said. And it's true. The league went nuts and is going nuts on pitching. Why? It's the hardest thing to to build. And if you can build solid pitching, offense is a lot easier to fill in. Yeah. It's it's less of a premium. Just an anecdote from the, the meeting. I was astounded that I was able to get Nelson Cruz for 17 bucks during the auction. Like... For how much offense that guy has provided year in and year out right now, even if he only does like eighty percent of what what he did last year, like that's worth more than seventeen bucks. And he just was one of the later guys named, and the hot pitchers were off the board, and nobody wanted to spend their money on an offensive guy like that. It was it was weird, right? And yeah, the way uh, the way people treat Nelson Cruz is, you know, it, it is bad. Um, and I think it's because someone doesn't want to get left holding uh, the the rotten egg because he's what 37, 38? No, he's 39, 39, if not 40. He's 39. Only. But even still, like the for what other people were going in the auction, I mean, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a major discount, but yeah. Oh, Micah. So we're, you know what? We're going to get to his, his, his uh, auction approach, (laughs) but let's go ahead and move on. So generally, I think it sounds like we are under the consensus that it, his foundation is promising, but the offense needs to get figured out. Uh, So just real quick uh, in 10 words or less, when do you believe Roland's competitive window begins? I believe sooner than Leland's competitive window. Okay. Micah? I'll give him, I'd say, maybe two years. In two years, I think he could be pretty competitive. 2022. Alex? Yeah, I think it's two years or it doesn't open. Ooh. One of those, 
So do you think it's contingent on one of the prospects really breaking out, preferably on the offensive side? I think you need you need Royce Lewis to figure out whatever happened to him last year. Right. Because he didn't look like a star in the minors last year. Um, you need him to be a star. You need Bart to hit 250 at least, and I'm not convinced he can do that yet. You need Mize to stay healthy. And you need Hunter Green to stay healthy. Yeah, there's a lot of what-ifs there. You need Dominguez to be exactly what people thought he would be. Jason Sun? Yeah, Jason Sun. <laughs> so there's a lot of variance there. And like, I like the players he's got coming up, but you really need them all to hit with what he's got right now. And so that's why I say that you know it's either two years or it doesn't happen. Yeah. Because he's got so much so much uh committed to those guys right and i can get on board with that because if these guys don't come up and perform which mice is close uh, yeah. he is close to getting up same with lewis same with bart um you know these I, guys can come up and contribute true. soon and they're going to need to because lindor by the time these guys come up is going to be looking at his age 27 or 28 season yeah. and that's really like the focal point of his entire roster and not just even really I know he's put a lot of emphasis on the pitching, but when you have only invested in uh, 10 bats on your roster and only three of them are viable, like every single season you can bank for solid production, you really need some of those guys to come up and produce ASAP. So, yeah, I'm probably on 2022 as well. So moving on, let's look at – let's just do uh, yes or no, help or hurt, Will a shortened season help or hurt him? Help or hurt? Uh, let's start Leland. Um, it depends on what he's going for. Uh, if he wants to win, hurt. Or uh, I actually didn't really think about the shortened season. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go down the middle. It's not going to hurt or hurt heal him or, or whatever because I don't know what he's going to do. Um, I think his – his pitching, I guess, would help him if it's a shortened season. While his offense, uh, what do you guys think? I'm sorry, I'm blanking out here. Well, well, so Leland's in the middle. Uh, Micah, what do you think? I would say that a shortened season would help him, and as well as the teams who are fighting for a playoff spot, because you know this team might get hot. I feel like the longer the season, the more likely the really good teams are going to dominate. So I think a shortened season will end up helping him if he, you know, if he puts up some good numbers. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Micah's uh, philosophy. I'm sorry, I just I blanked out there. Yeah, it's a good thing I'm a guest guest <laughs> presence here because my answer to this question is is always gonna be help for the teams at the bottom and hurt for the teams at the top. Yeah. Whenever there's more variance introduced with a shortened season, like. The, the worst teams are going to have a more likely chance of just getting out and getting in. Micah said it all. Like, yeah, it's going to help him. Yeah, I'm kind of with Alex on this point. Yeah, in a shortened season, the added variance is obviously makes things more volatile and less predictable for the teams that, you know, in a seven-game series are going to win, you know, five out of seven. But now – you know, it's no longer a seven game series. It's a three game series or a four game series, depending on how many games they decide to play. So yeah, it honestly, 
my approach, if I'm if I'm any team other than Andrew or Greg, <laughs> I'm I'm putting some eggs in this year's basket because if you're gonna win and you feel like you're a little further out than some of the other teams, doesn't matter. I, I think there's some every year playoff teams that are not gonna make playoffs this year. Like I, I mean, my bold prediction for Tim's team is that he, he doesn't make the playoffs. So I don't know. Lucky factor, basically, because I feel like his team's way better than most teams. Right, but he hasn't been investing. Other teams, like I, I think Roland is a team that could sneak in. Yeah, I agree with you there. Just because of the shortened season. So as a as a rule of thumb, that's kind of where I'm at. Is if I'm a if I'm not Greg or Andrew, I'm putting some eggs in this year's basket and I'm investing in the major league team to try and get in the playoffs. Yeah. Anything can happen. <laughs> I'm in it. No. <laughs> uh, next question is owning 12 starting pitchers, a viable long-term solution or is owning this many starting pitchers a way just to figure out the rotation? Um, definitely trying to figure out the rotation. Um, I will say his rotation or uh, his staff is way better than mine. And I would love to have the staff to find out which one's going to be good and which one's not. Um, I'm kind of doing that with offense, but I feel like I need to do that more with my pitching. So I'll give uh, Roland the benefit of the doubt on that aspect. Um, But having only 10 hitters and again, only three of them, are actually someone I could count on. Not ideal. Uh, I feel like he needs to have more hitters than pitchers, but that's just me. Uh, Micah. Well, yeah, I, I agree with Leland. I feel like uh, he he definitely needs more batters in his lineup because of how weak his offense is outside of the three. Uh, I'd say his pitching is is pretty solid, and I would say it's the the strength of his team but there's also still a lot of room for growth in his pitching and a lot of factors play in. Like if Sean Manaya can stay healthy, Tyler Glasnow staying healthy, um, Miles Miklas as well. So. Um, I'm also going to let's let me name the hitters. He has the 10 hitters because I know that listeners might not know. Um, so catcher, Danny Jansen, first baseman, Luke Voigt. Uh at second base. He has Scott Kingry. And then Jose Ramirez at third, Francisco Lindor at short. Jock Peterson could, is the left fielder, but he could also play first and right field. Victor Robles as a center fielder. Uh, Fran Mil Reyes is his right fielder, and right now his utility is Bo Bichette, with Nick Senzel as his 10th hitter on the bench. So that's what we're looking at right there. So that's why we're thinking, eh, <laughs> this lineup is eh. Needs something else. Yeah, and I... I, like Micah mentioned, I think it's important to have to be accruing those those counting stats on offense because the rate stats, you know, our pitching, it, it's pretty balanced, but there's three ratio stats or uh, there's ERA, whip and K to walk. So, you know, to, to have all these these arms, I think it's going to take away from the ratio and only add to. The counting stats, which are K's and, and quality starts. Yeah, when I look at his pitching staff, I see I see a lot of guys that 
I like as kind of middle of the pack dice rolls. I like Eduardo Rodriguez. I like Max Fried quite a bit, to be honest. I like Jacob Arizzi. I like Herman Marquez. But he doesn't have top-end pitching. So uh, he's he's got one guy. He's got Shane Bieber is his top-end pitcher. And then Tyler Glass now is it's kind of wild card in terms of health and performance, to be honest. So after Bieber, he's got... He's got a bunch of guys that I like as maybe my fourth or fifth guy, but he's missing the guys that I want as my two or my three, honestly. So what Buddy said there, yeah, like his his ratios are are probably going to take a pretty big hit uh, with all of these wild card type pitchers, even if they are ones that I might be more willing to want to roll the dice on. Right. And if, if he had some, if he had an incredibly strong group of relievers, like if he had yeah. a, a hater or if he had a Presley or just guys that, that are really going to boost your ratios to help balance out, like, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez or Sean Manaya's blow ups or Zach Davies blow ups, then sure, I think this approach can work. But ultimately, I just think the volume is going to take away from the ratios. And the offense, it needs more bats. So I think as long as he doesn't start this or keep going this way and he only starts with a rotation of 12 starting pitchers and he plans on trading them or just figuring out what his long-term rotation is, then I think it's viable. But yeah, ultimately, I just don't think this is a good, a viable long-term solution. Yeah. Uh, And then lastly... Uh, so we've already established if he that he's pretty much not a real threat this year, but you know in a in a high variance season, a lot can happen. But is there a player that stands out to you uh, for bad or or for good? Is there just anyone on the roster on the major league roster that stands out? Um, I'm a big fan of Lindor as a player. Like even without any fantasy stats. I think he's the epitome of a shortstop. Um, and I, I've talked to Roland about like, hey, what's up with Lindor? Can we talk about him? He's like, no. I'm like, I was so disappointed. But, you know, again, like he's, he's Francisco Lindor. Um, I'm just a fanboy and that's it. No, nothing fantasy about it. No fantasy <laughs> baseball about it. It's just all love for baseball. <laughs> Alex? I really like Max Freed. I think he's a guy that he was a pretty high pick initially and then was disappointing, got traded to the Braves. And every year with the Braves, he's made really kind of obvious strides. He's improved so, so incredibly year over year. And last year, I think he showed kind of what he's capable of. I mean, he's a lefty that throws 96 He's got that really great hook of a curveball. And, you know, I think he added, I could be talking out of my ass here, but he either added a slider or a changeup that is really good. So he added a third pitch. So I think Max Fried is a guy that he probably, I don't remember exactly how he acquired him, but I think he acquired him for, I'm sure, a lot less than I think what he's going to return right now. Um, I know he got him from Tim. Uh, I just can't remember what it was for, but I, I oh, you know what? It was a it was a prospect pick. It, it might I think it was a second round pick. 
Yeah, I like that a lot, especially the way that second round prospect picks are going to be now with the changes. Like, right. That's great return. Though Tim, I think, got Hunter Bishop out of it. I'd still much rather have Freed, but yeah. it's yeah. not terrible. No, no, it's not. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Max Freed. Uh, Micah, what about you? Is there someone that stands out? Yeah, I think uh, Bo Bichette's going to have a big year. And I also think it's going to create problems because he has two elite shortstops. Well, I think Bo Bichette will be elite um, soon. So I think that's going to create a problem unless he's fine with having Bo Bichette in his utility. But I, yeah, I'm expecting big things from Bo. Hmm. Yeah, he has a. He also has Royce Lewis coming and farm as a shortstop. So if he, unless he's gonna play second or third when he gets brought up, uh, he's gonna. Uh, Roland's gonna have three shortstops. There's been talk has, of uh, throwing Royce Lewis in center field. Though, do it. So. That's do where it. I have him projected as the outfield. Do it. Uh, the the player that stands out to me is Victor Robles. Uh, I. I like the age. He's not even 24. Uh, so I think there's a lot of potential progression. Uh, as far as, so one of the things I look for in players is the plate discipline numbers. And I look to see, especially with some of the younger guys, to see if they're, if they're trajectory, if they're projecting to improve in plate discipline. Like, are they, are they seeing more pitches fall outside of the zone? Are they making contact in the zone when the ball is in the zone? Are they chasing? Stuff like that. So in looking at Victor Robles, uh, his numbers from 2018 got worse, uh, except for zone contact, which I'll get to in a second. But let's look at, at his chasing. He swung an increased 3%, almost 4% from the prior year in outside uh, of the zone, uh, pitches outside of the zone. So it was a 31.9. So a third of the time he's swinging at pitches outside of the zone. Not great. His swing percentage went up three to uh, from 45.9 to 48.9. So up three again. Uh, his outside contact dipped 3% from the prior season. So it was a 66.7 to a 63.9. And uh, his zone contact also went down. It was a little, it was minuscule. It was only 0.04. So not a big deal there. But again, the contact percentage in general went down. The zone percentage uh, went down. So people were throwing at him in the zone less. And his first pitch strike went down. So I think what pitchers were starting to do with him is throw outside of the zone more frequently because he was chasing more and because he was not making contact um, at, at as good of a rate as years prior. Now looking at his strikeout and walk percentage, let me get up to that real quick. Uh, it also went to career lows. His walk percentage was 5.7, not dreadful but not good either and his strikeout percentage went up to a career high to 22.7 not bad at all but still a career high still not getting better the iso was 165 which is not good especially when the prior year oh that was a super small sample size so maybe i shouldn't take that into account but i just i don't see a ton of power here i see wheels and i see 
maybe an average average with a below average OBP and low slugging. And for what he gave up to get Victor Robles, who is not trajecting in the right way, he gave up Andrew Vaughn. And I just, I don't know. I think that's going to come back to bite him in the future. So that's a guy that stood out to me. He invested a lot for such a young piece, and he is going to be important for his roster. I just don't see it panning out for him. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, so yeah, that's his, that's his roster composition. Why don't we go ahead and move to his farm, the thing that he has invested so much in, especially in the young guys. So is this current group of starting pitcher prospects? So you know Casey Mize and Matthew Allen and uh, let me see here, who else does he have? Uh, Casey Mize, Hunter Green. Matthew Allen, Jackson Rutledge, and Esmerlin Venecio. <laughs> uh, Micah, what do you think of his, his starting pitching prospects? Do you think it's 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 going to uh, that it has a lead upside with these pitchers in his farm? Yeah, I I like his um, pitching. I disagree with some of the trades he he made when he traded AJ Puck, I believe, for Taylor Trammell. Yeah. I strongly disagree with that one. What's, but... what's your stance on that trade, Alex? Yeah, with this man here, Alex. A, a plus for me. <laughs> so I think that hurt him. I don't see a whole lot of upside from Taylor Trammell. I see a lot of risk with him that I don't think will pan out. But as far as his pitching goes, Casey Mize, Matthew Allen. I like, I like obviously, Casey Mize a lot. Um, I'm okay with Matthew Allen. Jackson Rutledge, I'm you know, just kind of okay with. I I don't really know why he picked um, Esmerlin Venecio. <laughs> Was that the last player he picked in that draft? I think so. I think so. Yeah, he picked a Giants uh, international player. He's a Giants yeah. person. I don't know. They must not be that good. <laughs> yeah, I was confused. He wasn't on my list when I made this, the master spreadsheet, my yeah. beloved spreadsheet. Um, He wasn't in the free agent list or the international list, and I had to make it up for him. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah. So do you think that Casey Mize and and Rutledge and Allen and Green give him the upside for an elite rotation? Um, Potentially. I'm thinking not likely. I feel like he needs more stronger pitching in order to have – an elite rotation. I mean, all I can really see is Casey Mize out of his group of prospects becoming elite. Yeah. What about you, Leland? Oh, Alex has something to say first. So, oh. so I actually disagree with that, to be honest. I I think, you know, Mize is the established guy there, and uh, the, the track record's there. The injury history is perhaps a little bit concerning, but I think – you know, he's a high probability arm to be a, a good big league contributor. And then I think between Hunter Green, Jackson Rutledge, and Matthew Allen, I think your upside there is massive. Like Hunter Green could be just a number one, like top five pitcher in the major leagues for many, many years if he realizes everything and he comes back healthy. Jackson Rutledge could become Nate Pearson. Like, He's following that same path, the Juco arm that that you know has a velo spike and all of a sudden gets picked in the the uh, first round of the draft. And then 
Matthew Allen, like, to be honest, we don't know anything about Matthew Allen, but he was projected to be like a top 15 pick in the draft and he fell because of signability concerns. And, you know, Roland got him, I think, in the second round of our draft. And I thought that was really great value for a team kind of in his his area in terms of like competitive window to to take a flyer on him. So I, I feel like the upside, honestly, is really, really high across those four guys. I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about the last guy as Merlin Vecino, but but I those four guys, I mean, if you're going for upside, it's hard to come up with a, a trio of four that have higher upside than that, I think. Hmm. What do you think, Leland? So um, you guys went into depth with all each player's uh, starting pitchers. Um, yeah, again, high ceiling, it could happen. I don't think it's going to. I think I, I like saying Nize, but Mai's, uh definitely is going to be the star out of all those starting pitching. Um, I'm going to go a little around the box here, outside the box here. Um, so we had this auction for prospects throughout all of the offseason, and everyone's farm system like went full to the max of 20 players while Roland's only has like nine players. So if he was more active in the off season and signed more of those pitchers, I could see an even higher ceiling and players might not, those players might not have been um, uh, mice like, but the more pitchers or more players you have in the farm, the more, more likely that you'll have someone worth promoting. Right. So, right. That's what makes me not believe in his farm as much as others, because everyone else now has like 20, didn't he, 19 didn't players. Didn't he now. go into the prospect auction with zero dollars? <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. So yeah. He, the problem with the change for him was he was confused. Um, he thought that he had to spend all the money on free agents. That's why he blew so much on like Shane Green. Because yeah, I'm looking at his free agent auction results and I'm just, I'm vomiting. Yeah. We have it up up right now. Do you want me to list his signings? Let's get to that in a little bit. I guess my, I wanted to bow wrap the pitching with, I actually think he does have a lead upside. When you consider that Shane Bieber, Eduardo Rodriguez, like, you know, Alex mentioned, he's got a bunch of guys that are, you know, I won as my fourth or fifth starters. Fourth or fifth starters are still valuable if you know who they are, if they're consistent year in, year out. And I think once Mize does get up, if Hunter Green can figure out a secondary pitch, by the way, did you guys see the video of him throwing a a two-seam fastball? through uh a moving tesla oh yes i did see that <laughs> i was more impressed that the guy caught the ball i would have been he, like Whoa. oh no way the throw was far more impressive it went through the driver's seat window not through the window but like the window was rolled down and it went through yeah. the uh, the window in the driver's seat and went out the back passenger's door uh, the like that's that's incredible i don't know how many tries that took him but to be able like, to command it, like on the side it? video, there's just like a bunch of cars with broken windows, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a big dent. <laughs> but yeah, I just um, he's he was drafted first overall for a reason. He's got an 80 grade fastball if he can command it, of course. Um, and it's just a, for him, it's a matter of secondary. He does have, I think, the high. Uh, 
I'm a big Mackenzie Gore guy and I'm a big Jesus Lazardo guy. But if, if Hunter Green figures out, you know, a semblance of command and can get like a slider, a curveball, he, he's going to be untouchable because he's got a, a fastball that sits, I think, 97 to 99 sits, not like peaks. He just, yeah, that combined with the athleticism and the, what seems to be improving command, along with a really strong pitching development team in Cincinnati, um, that's that's a really good recipe. Uh, Rutledge, I think his long term spot is a is a reliever, but that's just me. I should also clarify that when I say like guys that I view as fourth and fifth starters, the reason I want them as my fourth and fifth starters is because I think they can be two and three starters. Like they've got the stuff or the durability or whatever. They've got something that I like that makes me think they can jump into that next tier. So that's not necessarily a, like a diss on, on Roland's team. It's more just, you know, the probability is not there. Yeah. It's not yeah. A question of talent. I like a lot of those guys. It's just, it's unlikely that they are good enough to make him competitive. Yeah. Okay. So uh, pick one vol or blah, pick one prospect that's your favorite and one that you dislike. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to pick the easy choice. Casey Mizay. Uh Casey Mize. Um, just because <laughs> I don't know a lot of the other players and I've, I know I know he has injuries, but I feel like he could or he will be elite, especially with the staff that Detroit has right now. It's it's an easy path for him. Um, the player I hate the most, I don't know. Really or just know. overrated, I should say. Yeah, Sorry. okay. Um, I'm not a fan of Joey Bart. As much as I'm a big a Giants fan, when we drafted him, I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Do we need, we have, mm. <laughs> that's it. That was my reaction. I, I don't see it. What about you, Micah? Um, well, I like Casey Mize a lot too, obviously. Um, so I'd probably go with him as my favorite prospect. Um, least favorite would obviously be that Esmerlin Vinicino, <laughs> who, I mean, I don't think about him, but I feel like Hunter Green is really overrated. I feel like, yeah, he throws gas. I just can't see him putting it together. I'd be surprised sure. if, he, if he becomes an elite starting pitcher. I'd be very surprised. Okay. Alex? So I think for a guy I like, this is not based on really any information that we have about this person, but I think Jason Dominguez, just the recent track record of number one overall international signees and then kind of the reports that were coming out about him and just like the crazy tools this guy has already. That's the sort of upside play that you want to make if you are a team that's not in contention, the sort of guy that explodes in a year or two and becomes the consensus number one. And I think he's got the chance to be that. So um, really not based on any current information, but more kind of, I think he fits well in Roland's current timetable. Um, and I think he's got really just insane upside from, from everything that we know about him. And then a uh, guy that I don't like is I'm also going to gonna mimic Leland. I don't like Joey Bart as a fantasy prospect. Like, 
nothing from his experience in college makes you think that he's going to be kind of anything more than a 240, 250 hitter. Um, he strikes out a ton. He doesn't walk. A lot of the prospect ranking is based on him being a good defensive catcher, which, you know, framing night might not matter in three or four years. So yeah. I think that ranking is so crazy inflated. And he's also a catcher who's not going to play more than, you know, 60 to 70% of games. So he's not going to be a consistent contributor on offense as far as fantasy is concerned. Like, I, I just, I'm not a Joey Bark guy, and I am also a Giants fan. I didn't love the pick, so. Hmm. Yeah, uh, my favorite is Jason Dominguez, but my second is actually Hunter Green. <laughs> I, uh, I, I actually like Hunter Green quite a bit, too. I, I tried on multiple occasions to get him in a Stanton deal for, um, or I tried getting Hunter Green for Stanton over the uh, winter meeting, and he he wouldn't budge because I figured I might be able to get him cheap because he's coming off uh, Tommy John. So I figured you know he might be a little more willing to part with him, but uh, credit goes where credit is due, and he stuck to his guns, and I think that's going to pay off because. Even if he does, let's say, transition to the bullpen just due to missed time and maybe he can't figure out a secondary pitch, how many of you would want a Josh Hader? I, I think he, I, I know he's missing the slider that Hader has, and he's obviously not a lefty, but um, I, I think he's got that kind of upside in a, in a relief role. You put him in for an inning, maybe two, and he could be lights out, and I, that's still super valuable. So, Green is second, but only because I think Dominguez has obviously the highest upside in his farm. Because there's talk of Trout, which is obviously ridiculous, but especially on a 16 or 17 year old. But, you know, the upside is obviously there. And when the Yankees buy into a, a top international prospect, that's that's different than Atlanta with Kevin Maiton. <laughs> But anyway, uh, oh, someone asking something? No, I said Kevin Maiton's a big, beefy boy. Yes, yes. Uh, I saw spring training a couple years ago. He is about the worst third baseman I've ever seen on a major league <laughs> I need field. to see this. Third is, baseman oh, myself. he's so bad. Oh, it was. If you play corner infield, wow. I'm watching you play defense. <laughs> And if you suck, you suck. I will not like you. I think he did get like a walk-off single for the game, though. <laughs> what is he so bad? It's about the only good thing he's done since he's been stateside. But uh, and as far as overrated prospects, that's definitely 100,000% Taylor Trammell. I don't even think it's close to Joey Bart. I don't think Trammell is anything more than a platoon bat. I, I really don't. Or he's like a defensive specialist. That's that's all I really see in that guy. Oh, you think I traded AJ traded him for AJ Buck? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I you know I made it. I made a trade. I'm like Roland. You finally got some a pitcher worth something. Like and then you dealt him for Taylor Trammell. Oh man. Uh, I, I don't I don't hate Trammell as much as you do, but yeah, I mean. I was going relative to the the current rankings, and I think Bard is going to be a bigger disappointment. But yeah, I, agree. I think because we're Giants fans, that's that just... yeah, we're, <laughs> we're conditioned to be disappointed. By that. 
And then uh, who do you think is who do you think is due for a breakout? Uh, it could be someone that's like you know in the fifties and could be a top ten prospect by the end of the season. If of course you know, uh, I'm not sure how minor games are going to be picked up or played out, but not maybe they'll there'll be an expanded <laughs> AFL. Um, so is there someone if we do let's just assume there's a minor league uh, games going on competition who do you think breaks out on his minor league roster i'm gonna go against micah and say hunter green (laughs) (laughs) that's that's who i've got not because of like information i just want to spite micah right now for some reason (laughs) (laughs) okay well micah what do you what do you think well, honestly, I, I don't really see any of them breaking out. Um, besides the obvious, like, you know, Casey Mice obviously is yeah. going to do well. But, you know, I, I just have a hard time seeing any huge breakouts besides Jace, Jason or J- Jason, Jason Dominguez. Jason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Alex? So I, th- I think it would be one of either Rutledge or Allen for me. And I think Allen is more likely just because I think the pedigree is better. And, you know, I, I don't know a ton about Jackson Rutledge, but I kind of watched his, his highlight reel when he was drafted. And his delivery, kind of short arms in a way that I'm not super comfortable with. Like, I don't think there's a ton of great success stories for guys who short arm the ball like he does. Um, so I think it's less likely that he's a really big blow up guy and it's more likely to be Allen. But I think it's one of one of the two young pitchers without much much track record in the minors. Yeah, when I did the first year player draft review, um, I had looked into Rutledge even in during draft season I had too, and I had heard about Matthew Allen. I know Longenhagen was in on him and several other prospect guys were, but um, I, I, I ultimately, I'm not huge on Allen. I get the appeal with Rutledge. Uh, do I think that uh, that uh, Roland should have drafted him over Hunter Green? No. But do I get the appeal? Yes, because apparently when he's on, he's got untouchable stuff and already he's got two pitches. He's got... Uh, a slider that's uh, apparently, I think, a, a 50 or 60 grade. Let me see. Uh, I'll, I'll have that in a second. But he's also working with a really good fastball. So I'm not sure how um, Longenhagen graded the mechanics. Oh, let's see here. Oh, so he has a, an arm action similar to Lucas Giolito. Um, it just looks weird to me, honestly. If we're talking about Rutledge, right? Right, yeah. It's just not something you see like long term in the MLB. So even if yeah, he's the first guy to do it, like it's hard to look at it and just say, yeah, that's the prototype. That's what I want to see. You know? Right. And you know what I like about the Nationals draft approach is they draft injured guys and I guess Jackson Rutledge has an injury history which caused him to drop, but that's how you get value and what do we know about pitchers? They break. Yeah, and uh, basically, like, coming out of the draft, I feel like the the comp for Rutledge was a guy like Nate Pearson, where no one knew anything about Pearson, really, coming into the draft. And the Blue Jays took a flyer on him at the end of the first round, and he's, so far, looks like he can be a starter and a really good one. So, you know, maybe they hit. 
on that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, in 30 seconds or less, farm system power ranking, what's the ceiling and floor? Micah. Um, ceiling? Probably, I'd say... Just ballpark. Out of all the other 12 teams? Yeah. I'd say probably a five as a ceiling. As uh, the floor, I mean, as I don't remember who said it earlier, um, this offseason, a lot of people filled up their prospects lists, and he only has eight when most other people have 20. So really, I mean, as a floor, I mean, really, you could say the bottom, maybe 12. Hmm. I say uh, DK's is a bit worse. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Never mind. DK <laughs> is not. So I worse. will say 11 would be okay. the floor. <laughs> okay. Uh, Leland? Okay. Um, uh, ceiling, not as high as Micah's. Uh, maybe seven. Um, realistically, probably probably nine only because he his his farm is not filled um and then uh floor i'll say i'll say 11 because again not there's not a lot of people in that farm system compared to others yeah alex i'm gonna go four and then 11 i think i i kind of like hunter green maybe more than micah and leland do Jason Dominguez, obviously, he's a guy who could be the number one in a year or two. Um, and then, again, the volume, if most of these guys bust, he's the worst system other than my brothers. Yep. I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go two as a ceiling, and I'm going to go uh, ten as a floor. I'm, I'm really high on his, the, just the quality. The depth is certainly lacking, but the way I see it, Mize is a safe SP2, and I think he's got low SP1. So, like, uh, I think he's got, like, 12 to 15 uh, in terms of starting pitcher rankings potential with you know a very high floor so i love my lewis is a complete shot in the dark but there are some people who have likened him to oh it was a, um, who was it who was it um it's a star an outfielder it's not acuna uh judge someone likened him to judge now it's very different but it was like in the breakout at a later age sort of uh comparison and to that magnitude. And then Bart, I'm not like, I don't think he's a fantasy stud, especially with the way catching I think is going to evolve. But I think he's, he's a, he's, he's a certainly an upgrade over Danny Jansen. And then Hunter green, I think he's got ACE potential or ACE in the bullpen potential. Dominguez could be the best player in the game. I hate Tramel and will never speak well of him. I mean, he's probably fine as a person, but uh, you know, Rutledge and Allen have upsides. So despite the depth, even if most of them don't pan out, I think it's still a lot better than DK's. And I think it's better than Jared's because I don't see a ton of upside in Jared's. He just has a bunch of names. Um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, ceiling two, floor 11. And I think it could be one if he had a few more names in there, if he had at least like 15, but 
Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and start winding down here. Um, what were your just what were your uh, one paragraph thoughts on Leland's draft and free agent approach? Let's go should ahead and start with Leland. Shouldn't I go last? Because I was drunk and uh, I'm still trying to evaluate what I was doing. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I wrote on Leland's. I meant on um, Roland. Sorry. Roland. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. All right, that's different. Um, so, so just to reiterate, what he draft, did in right? the draft is he took – where did I put it? So he has – I have the list right here. So he had uh, the second and third overall pick in our prospect draft. And he drafted Jason Dominguez <laughs> and then Andrew Vaughn. And then I don't think he got a draft pick. Oh, no. And then um, eighth overall, he got Jackson Rutledge. And in the second round, he drafted Matthew Allen. And then in the third round, he drafted Corey Lee. And I believe that – no, I'm sorry. No, that's not right. Um, he traded away his draft pick. I'm, I'm reading this wrong. Uh, no, he did not have a pick in the third round. So he drafted Jason Dominguez – Andrew Vaughn, Jackson Rutledge, and Matthew Allen. Those were his draft picks. Um, and what were your thoughts? My thoughts. Um, I really like his first two picks, but he did pass Bobby Witt Jr. However, again, he has a bunch of shortstops already, so that's probably a good choice on that, on uh, Roland's part. Um, I give if I had to grade it. B plus, maybe even an A minus. That's a really good draft for what he has. Um, what about you guys, uh, Micah? Um, yeah, I could see a B plus or an A minus as well. I like Jason Dominguez and Andrew Vaughn. Um, I disagree with it, with drafting um, Rutledge where he drafted him. I feel like I would have drafted him lower. I thought Matthew Allen was a good pick. Um, so I'd, I'd probably say a B plus. Okay. What do you think, uh, Alex? Yeah, I agree. First two picks are pretty great. Um, Rutledge is a, is a big reach. Allen is nice value where he got him. Uh, B plus. I like it. And that's probably about where I draft him. According to my scale here, uh, one out of oh, ten. When I... He did have a comp pick, too. His name is as Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes uh, that so one to a b no i'm kidding <laughs> when, I, when i did my grading i had a couple of factors uh so basically i took all the a collective idea of the scouting reports i had read from various sites uh considered the upside that other people were giving him because i'm not a i'm not a scout i can't assign upside and i don't know how to you know, evaluate hitting mechanics or pitching mechanics or, you know, the quality of pitches. I mean, I can base it off of the strikeout rate and the swinging strike percentage, but I can't, like, I can't do that. So I just base it off of what I consider people with more expertise in that area do. So I use their scouting. Um, I do grade the draft picks based off perceived value. So where they are drafted in comparison to my board, my draft board with five breaking even and then over five is a value pick and then less than five is an overdraft. And then I also 
included depth. So did you draft three guys at least or more or more than three guys with at least a 50 future value or higher future fantasy value or higher? And according to those five criteria, uh, the way I had it as far as like Roland's context, I had Roland third behind Tim and Leland. And he graded out a 7.3 out of 10 with the highest score being a 7.9. So I would have given Leland an A minus and then Roland a B plus. I would have gotten higher if I drafted Bobby Witt. <laughs> oh, you would have gotten much higher if you had drafted Bobby Witt. I'm drunk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so we've already kind of addressed the inactivity as far as the prospect accumulation went for the Buddy Buck auction. So we're going to skip that. But in, in a minute and a half or less, so I'm going to time you guys, in a minute or a half or less, what would you do with Roland's team upon inheriting it? And we're going to start with Alex. Sorry, I, I switched the page on you. Um, I, I would probably try to build more farm depth, to be honest. I mean, he, just, he doesn't quite have what it takes to compete, I don't think. Um, and I don't think what he does have is good enough to say sell off his future value for trying to compete this year. So I would probably play it pretty pretty safe, be willing to sell off some of my major league guys for uh, more prospects or more money to to buy prospects in the next offseason. Um, not sure I would quite go so far as you know selling um jose ramirez or francisco Lindor because i don't think he's so far off that he can't build a, com- uh, a competitor while he still has those guys in their prime but i wouldn't um really go all in with what he's got either all right micah um yeah so if i were roland um yeah i would continue to build my farm um he has for the next year's prospect draft he has three first rounders again so it looks like he's going with that mentality which is good to see um if i'm him and <clears throat> yeah i would continue to build the farm i don't think i'd trade any of the big names unless the offer is really enticing um i would consider trading lindor or bichette um, because, you know, he has two short stops. But I he, I think he has a shot at competing, and there is a chance he could squeeze into playoffs. So I, if I were him, I'd continue to go for it and continue to build up the farm. Okay, Leland? Okay, real quick. Awesome with the first uh, three first-round picks. I don't know how you do it every year. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. um, so if I were you, Roland, um, I'd try to go all-in. Because <laughs> it's shortened season, it's going to benefit you. Um, however, you need to if if it's failing and at one like if there's any misstep at all, drop it, start tanking, start trading away, do the the, the full tank thing. Um, but uh, going back to going all in, um, what you need to do is pay attention to the free agents uh, lists in our uh, league. Um, someone's going to get hot, some hitter's going to get hot, and that's what you're going to have to do is add and drop a bunch of uh, players. Um, especially, like, once you figure out which pitchers are hurt or 
not doing well, you drop them, get a solid hitter that's hot, and keep doing that. It's, it's going to be a lot of work, and you got to be paying attention a lot. But if it all works out, I see you making playoffs and doing pretty well. What I would do with Roland's team upon inheriting it is I think I'd go with like one foot in and one foot out. I'm not going all in on this season, but like you know, I mentioned before, with things being the way they are and having half a season, it's no longer a seven-game series. It's a three-game se- or a four-game series. So, you know, I, I, I think I'm five-game series, fine. But it's not, it's not even going to be two-thirds of the season. It's probably going to be a half of the season. I know. So, a dick. Hence the four. But anyway, so it's a three-game series now. So, you know, anything can happen. And I, I think – there's some guys I'd make untouchable, like Mize, like Lewis and Dominguez. Mm. But Barton Green to a team that's willing to give you something that can, like, you know, a Jose Abreu. Because uh, yeah. Greg's made that available. He yeah. has a pretty glaring hole at first. And, and Abreu would go a long way toward helping him make a run. But to be fair, I do like Luke Voigt. Yeah, what's the deal with you guys and Luke Voigt? I don't know. I I, I don't don't know. know. I kind of like him. He's okay. He's He's just a tall person, right? As as a utility option, I like him more. As a starting first baseman, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I'm just saying. I kind of like Luke Voigt. Yeah, I like Yankees first baseman of the past 15 years. I don't see it. Yeah. He really <laughs> he uh, so I would I kind of understand what Buddy's saying. I would recommend he go for some sort of upgrade in the outfield. Like yeah. those guys could be anything from great to barely rosterable. All three of them. Yeah, it's tough to yeah. roll with that. Especially Jock. Yeah, <laughs> Jock is a I, platoon bat. Find yeah. someone to platoon with Jock right. and trade a low level prospect for him, and you know that's. That's the sort of move that I think would be worth making. Or, you know, something that Tim has talked about doing is trade Marcelo Zuna uh, with Atlanta now. That's that's a much better position to be in than with St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. He trades in Hunter Green and something small for Marcelo Zuna. That's a win-win. Um, Shoot, I feel like you could potentially get a Zuna for Green. Straight yeah. Up. yeah, it's just that he's coming off Tommy John. Oh, yeah. shoot, I might do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think he should go half in, half out, name your untouchables, and then, you know, if he does – if he's on the on on the bubble come, you know, three or four weeks into the season, that's where I'd consider making a trade to, to at least put my card in. Yeah, that's what I would do with his team. Uh, what do you think this team as currently constructed is its ceiling and the floor? Um, so if if we go back to my tactic of being very active with the free agent list, um, especially with his the, his hitting, um, I could see his ceiling, ceiling being a five, not interrupting the top four guys, Alex. Uh, Buddy and whoever else, Jared and um, like Michael or whatever. Timmy. 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 Sorry. Yeah, Timmy. Those Wait, four, I believe, Timmy. automatically in. They're, those guys are too My strong. Boy. 
I feel like it's more wild card for everyone else, even if it's uh, Drew and uh, Leahy. I feel like Roland, if he's active, he could be five at most. Um, did he ask for floor too? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, floor. Um, I see him being 10th again. I feel like Greg will tank. And if I'm very unlucky, I will join Greg in the tank. I feel like Greg will out-tank me, but... Just... Where was this tanking from Greg when I had his first pick? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm just better at it. Now, Leland, you can't. You have to meet the innings requirement. I do. I do. I place pitchers that give up a lot of runs. <laughs> Which is fine. That you can do that, but they do have to pitch. They do pitch. And your guys have to hit. I, they do have at-bats. <laughs> Trust me, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I, as a former commissioner, I get it. So I'm doing the bare minimum, but it's still over the limit. He's a mathematician. <laughs> He's optimizing. Yes. Did you see my spreadsheet? Have I mentioned it before? It's Look at it. I can do stuff. Uh, I, know Micah, to, I know how to manipulate the rules. Micah, ceiling and floor for Roland's team is currently constructed? All right. So this season... Um, there's some big moves. I made a couple big moves that I think I might end up regretting. I ended up trading Dylan Carlson for Whit Merrifield because I didn't have a second baseman. And now we're going to have a shortened season. Um, it happened like just recently. Five minutes ago. No. So for this season, I have you, Alex, Leahy, myself, and Jared all, all above – Roland, no matter what, I feel like. So I'm going to have to say a six. Um, did I math right? <laughs> I don't math right either. Probably a six right. or a seven. And actually, no, I think it's, I might have them at seven because you, Alex, Timmy, me, Jared Leahy, that's six. I feel like Leahy's going to yeah. mess up again and trade for uh, another a cub. Another cub. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to have to say seven as the top and then um, probably. 10, 10 is the bottom. Okay. Alex? Yeah, it's the, the ceiling is one of those last two playoff seeds that kind of squeak in the last week and are up for grabs until the last week. Um, he's not going to be one of the top four, I think, with this roster. I don't, I don't think there's any chance, even in a shortened season, if we're being honest. Um, the, the floor is 10, 11 without doing a deep dive into every roster, but there's so much variance here. Um, Again, like with the short season, the variance could help you or, or it could hurt you. And they all have their worst two months of the year and you just get shelled every week. Yeah. Yeah. I think the floor is probably ninth. Um, I like the pitching a little more than I think most people do. I love Bieber, and I think Glasnow has some incredibly high ceiling potential. Freed is awesome. Marquez is good, especially if he's playing a season outside of Coors. Um, Marquez all of a sudden becomes an SP2. Wait, did he get uh, traded? or? Well, I mean, they're talking about playing Arizona. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. 
So, you know, Marquez suddenly becomes an SB2. Uh, yeah, so um, I think I think he ultimately settles in seventh. His his floor is ninth, and I think his ceiling is fifth. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, ultimately I think he, he settles in just outside the playoffs unless he makes a trade. And I think he could see himself in the playoff picture, but he's got to do something either at first or in the outfield. And something to keep in mind is Kingery does, he is eligible in the outfield for most positions. And we've glossed over Fran Mill Reyes, and, and I think he's got really high potential. Uh, let's see here. And then finally, he can be played in a better park. Lots of swings and misses. Yeah. Reminds me of a jock. Reminds you of jock? Yeah, a little if bit. If you compare him to jock. Really? Oh, I don't see that at all. I, I think Fran Mill's got, like, primo Zuna potential. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously he's better than jock, but the I feel like he has a lot of swings and misses, and I just I can't see him, you know, batting for a very high average at all. I mean, the power's obviously there. But I don't know if I feel like his average is going to really hinder his, you know, fantasy use. Hmm. Do you agree with the way Roland has approached roster construction? I mean, if he knew what he was doing in the offseason, I think he would be better off. But I've liked it overall. Yeah, I think he probably just needed to fade a couple of these pitchers and get a couple upside bench bats instead. But overall, like in my eyes, sure. could, I, in my eyes, he could fix it in the, in yeah. the season. It really, yeah. I mean, you can you can trade these back end starters for decent bats in our league for sure, right? Yeah, and that's that's pretty much where I fall. I think once you figure out the pitching, it'll be way easier to figure out the hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but just given the premium in our league on pitching, I think he's approaching it pretty well. It's just he's going to have to figure out something with that offense to optimize the, the pitching. Yeah. All right. Well, that concludes uh, our our review on Roland's current roster construction. Thank you for giving us a listen. Uh, before you head out, we're going to offer up our our shrine, our scooter shrine uh, factoid. Scooter was actually born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and grew up a Reds fan. So you might find it odd that they dropped him uh, after one bad season, after he had one all-star season and another season in which he was the, what I say on the other show, second most valuable second base, offensive second baseman. Uh, and you can pretty much, I think, I suspect at least, attribute it to the injury. And I wonder if there's more to that injury. But still, he it's pretty cool that he got a chance to play with his childhood team. And um, But yeah, they, I guess they didn't offer him any kind of contract, any kind of extension. And he's just kind of chilling in the minors now. So that's our little Scooter Factoid. Thank you for joining us today. You can follow us at Scooter Scrubs, capital S on the Scooter, capital S on the Scrubs. And uh, follow us on on our podcast. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time. The next review is down into the gutter. This is going to be depressing. We are going over Andrew's team. Oh, my man. Thank you for joining us, Alex. Thank you for joining us, Micah. And uh, we will catch you next time. See you guys.